SASH is an organisation that works across uh, East and North Yorkshire and the Humber region. SASH Safe and Sound Homes provides night stops for young people that find themselves homeless. In 2017, uh, they had 228 young people they were able to support, offering a combination of over 1,393 actual night stop nights were offered to those young people. Uh, Kirsty Clark is the East Yorkshire Project Manager for SASH, and she's joined here this morning with us with Jesse Rossi, who's the host coordinator uh, for the whole region. Um, there's been quite a bit in the press lately relating to the Homeless Link report about homelessness amongst young people. And in that report, um, I think the figures um, across England in terms of percentages are probably very, very similar to the figures you've put out, Kirsty, last year. And they say family relationship breakdown is the main cause of homelessness amongst young people. That's your experience too, is it? Yes, lots of the young people that we work with, if not all of them, have difficult relationships with family members. Uh, there can be a variety of reasons for that. What we found is it's not just particular families in certain areas or of a certain income. Family breakdown can affect any family. Um, and if I think back to my own teenage years, if I think back to those of friends of family, they're a difficult period for anybody. And some families just have the the skills and the strategies to, to manage those challenges and others don't. And it's where those families break down that we're able to step in and help support those young people work their way towards independence. To what degree is um, household finance adding stress to you know the relationships and causing these breakdowns? I think it definitely has an impact if you know you are on a low income, you're you know living from week to week, you've got a young person who is perhaps not in education or employment, for example, they're sitting around at home all day, uh, not contributing to the to the family, then you can understand that you know that could be very frustrating for some people, particularly like you say, like as a family, you're on a low income. How much work is being done to reunite young people with the families they leave? That's one of the good things about Night Stop and, and it being a temporary solution. It gives a young person and the family a breathing space, an opportunity for that mediation to take place, for the for the chance to for young people to go home. And and some do, some do go home. It's not always the right you know, the right outcome for young people, particularly if there is, you know, things like parental substance use, if that, you know, there's, you know, poor mental health within the family family environment. Sometimes it is a better opportunity for us to work with those young people to help them develop the skills that they need to go on and secure and maintain their own accommodation. Are you finding that welfare benefit reform is having any impact? As we're not a full service area yet, um, many of our young people uh, are still able to access some of the older style benefits. But where we do have young people who are accessing, who are applying and receiving universal credit, we have found that there is a real difference in terms of things like the waiting period, where you have to, there is a set period before you can obtain any money. In full service universal credit areas, there is a, an app um, and a, an electronic system where people get means of communication about their benefit claim. However, that's not live in our area yet, which can cause difficulties as people don't get communication about the benefits. So we're in a difficult transitional period at the moment f for young people and you know everybody who claims benefits and 
would just like to hope that once we roll out into full service that you know that might improve somewhat. So that's a bit of a background then as to uh, why young people are becoming homeless. But Jesse, we know across England from various reports that councils are, are increasing the use of bed and breakfasts, particularly within the context of young people. Why are bed and breakfasts so inappropriate? I think because bed and breakfasts are very temporary, aren't they? So however many nights a young person's there, it's although it may be somewhere to sleep, they can't necessarily develop the skills and the independence um, skills that they're going to need to live independently in the end because there's not that chance in a bed and breakfast. Also, the other people staying in the bed and breakfast, it's just not a great environment for a young person. So tell me about a typical night stop accommodation, Jesse. What, what, what is a typical night stop for, for young people? So a typical night stop is a young person will stay for the night um, in the home of a volunteer and they stay, they can have tea, they can put a wash on if they need to, have a full night's sleep and wake up in the morning and then they leave when um, the volunteer goes to work and then we will work on, they'll go back to the agency they're referred from and then we look at their next steps, do they need more night stop or is there something more permanent we can work towards with them. Which agencies are, are referring young people to the SASH service? The local authority um, in Hull, uh, York, North Yorkshire, we work with them. We also work with some voluntary agencies. So we have partnership arrangements with uh, the Hinge Centre in Bridlington as the local charity, um, You know, various organisations in Beverly and other areas of the East Riding. The Job Centre also signpost people to us quite a lot because if a young person doesn't have an address, they can't claim benefits. So we do get a lot of referrals uh, through that route as well. Okay, now you're you're very active on the social media, I've noticed. And of course, young people are very active on social media. Could a young person get in touch with you directly or do they need a referral agency? We never accept referrals direct from young people um, because we need to do a thorough risk assessment to make sure that that young person is appropriate to place in the family home. If a young person did get in touch with me via social media, which they have done in the past, sometimes families do get in touch with me and say, how can you help this young person that I'm aware of? I'm then able to signpost them to one of our referral agencies to, you know, to access our service. Kirsty, can you give me some idea of the number of hosts that you have um, across the, the wider region in which SASH works? Yeah, so we have about 70 hosts at the moment. That number fluctuates a little bit because obviously people people's circumstances change, you know, sometimes through ill health. People have to stop hosting if they sell their house and downsize, no longer got the spare room. Um, sometimes family members come and stay permanently, uh, which, you know, then the, the our volunteers don't have the use of the room to help us. Um, so but at the moment, we're, we're about 70. But am I right in saying that... In, in this conurbation, the largest conurbation really in the region, so we're here in the city of Hull, you actually have fewer hosts um, available to young people here than, than you do in, in others, even rural areas. Yeah, so in Hull we actually only have two hosts. One of those is currently providing longer-term accommodation through our supported lodging scheme, which is a separate um, longer-term scheme for young people to stay. So, uh, yeah, as it speaks, we have one night stop host available in the city. Right, I'm finding that quite surprising, and perhaps we we ought to have a little bit of time to dig into why this why this might be the case. There must be dozens and dozens, if not hundreds, of families in Hull that have a spare room that could be used. Why do you think you're finding it difficult to find hosts in the city? 
I don't know if it's lack of awareness. They don't know what Sash does. I mean, we do put our name out there, and like you said, Kirsty's big on social media. We've done events with churches and stuff. But I think for some people, when they think of having a young person stay in their home, they think, oh, no, I couldn't do that. So it almost puts a barrier up straight away before they've met us and they've realised our young people are risk assessed, um, checked by the police national computer. So I think for some it's just a blanket, oh no, I couldn't do that without realising how thoroughly we risk assess our young people and make sure that they are going somewhere suitable. Are there young people you turn away then from SASH because they are too high risk for, for families to take in? Yeah, so anybody who was dependent on substances, um, so wasn't able to abstain while they were in the placement, we wouldn't offer them a placement because although we recognise that young people do have some coping strategies that they might need to, to use to get them through a period of crisis, we've got to place the welfare of our volunteers in their homes you know, as a, as a priority. So yeah, if a young person has an offence of arson, for example, no, it's, that's a straight up, no, we cannot take that young person. If, if a young person is dependent on, on substances, if a young person has, you know, a very chaotic lifestyle and there's lots of, you know, regular offences and involvement with the police, we might say that that young person is not appropriate to be in a volunteer-led accommodation and might need something that was more staffed and, you know, had professionals with experience. At the end of the day, our volunteers are that. They're, um, you know, not necessarily people who have a range of professional experiences. And so we wouldn't ask them to 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 work with young people who need a more specialised service. OK, so tell me more about the actual accommodation requirements is there a minimum size of room? Um, do they need access you know, with key throughout the night, that sort of thing? Tell me about the actual accommodation that would be ideal um, as a night stop service through SASH. So we just asked that our volunteers have got a spare room. Um, if our young people are staying on a night stop basis, they don't need a key as they're not going to be in the home um, when the volunteer is not there. If they were in supported lodgings longer term, then they would have a key and they'd access it like they would their home. But on a night stop basis, they just need a spare room. And is there a sort of um, a time in the day that they've got to be at that property by and they've got to be out by a certain time in the morning? So we normally arrange for the young person um, to come about tea time after our volunteers have finished work. Um, they'll have an evening meal with the young person usually or save them something. Then the next morning they leave the home when the volunteer leaves um, to go to work, school run, wherever they're going. So on a night stop basis, they're never in the home without the volunteer. And who actually brings the young person to the house where they're going to be staying or do they make their own way there? Um, some of them make their own way or we'll organise um, travel for them. So the hosts themselves... They're not just sort of phoning you up saying, I've got a bed tonight, you can send anybody around. There's obviously a, a vetting procedure, there's a training procedure. Um, Jesse, can you tell me something about that, your, your host coordinator for, for this region? What sort of support, what sort of training do you offer potential hosts? Say someone applies to be a night stop host, we'll go out and meet them, chat through with them. If they're happy, then they're DBS checked. Um, we take references. They then do our training, which is half a day training. Um, we do home visits, home checks to make sure it's safe and suitable. And then once our volunteers are actually hosting, we have a 24-7, 365 days a year phone line. So if there's any emergencies, any issues, any problem, we're on the end of the phone. Um, so we all take it on in turns to be on call. And sometimes it's issues like my young person's gone out and they've not come home yet, or they've not turned up where they're meant to, or they're refusing to stay. 
Yeah, more often than not, it's somebody's got lost um, because, you know, they might be finding their way to a street that they don't know very well. You know, the young person has had second thoughts, you know, got cold feet, maybe gone to stay with a friend, you know, who they know and they feel more comfortable with. Sash is an organisation we've never had a serious incident against a hearse, um, you know, because we do risk assess so thoroughly. Sasha's been delivering services for 24 years now, you know, so this is something that we've got a lot of experience in managing. And because of that, that's how we reduce the risk to, you know, both young people and uh, our volunteers. Is there a sort of informal contract that you sign with a young, per- a young person that's just about to access, you know, accommodation for that night? Is there a little sort of list of... Um, you can do this and you can't do that sort of you know a very informal agreement that you go through yeah so all of our young people get a leaflet which actually is really informal and does this say things like do do this and don't do that because that way it's you know it's the right level of information for a young person who's you know going through a very difficult time and might not be able to take information in you know as they're you know going to stay with a stranger who they don't really know we we do have you know rules that we make sure that there are the young person is aware of. So the house, the address is always kept confidential. Um, they're told they're not allowed to be under the influence of anything when they're, you know, or in possession of any substances or alcohol when they're, they're in the placement. So, yeah, the young person is very aware of the rules of the placement before they, you know, accept that. Because at the end of the day, the young person has a choice. They they might choose not to accept night stop. And, and you can understand that somewhat. If you've got a friend... I think I'd probably choose to sleep on a friend's sofa than a, than in a stranger's home. But Nightstop is there for when those young people don't have any more friends at sofas or, you know, they've exhausted every family member who they could move around between. We're there to stop young people having to rough sleep, to sleep in unsafe spaces, um, you know, when they don't have any other choices. If there's some reluctance from a potential host thinking, oh dear, I'm going to have this teenager coming along that I've never met before and he's going to bring half a dozen friends along, that sort of thing, that that never happens. It really is just one bed for one person for the one night, is that... Yeah, they're up to 14 nights. So um, we refer on a night-by-night basis, so we would never ring one of our volunteers on the first night and say, here we're sending Jack he'll be with you for two weeks that you know we'll check in with the hearse the next day we'll see how things went we'll check in with the referrer and the young person to see how they feel uh, as Jesse said earlier to check in what is the long-term plan because we don't want night stop to be another bed in a chain of you know surface surfing and moving around we want that to be the beginning of a young person finding some suitable and stable long-term accommodation and it might be a volunteer can only offer two or three nights at a time and for us, that's brilliant. You don't have to commit to, you know, hosting for 14 nights at a time for a young person. We have a rotor system, so hosts can tell us when and when they're not they're available. It's a very flexible way of volunteering, and I think that's why some of our volunteers like it, because it fits in around, you know, family lifestyle when you're t- taking the children to school, when you pick them up, you know, you've still got all your routine. Night stop hosting slots in around that. The figures we started the podcast with uh, seem to suggest that an average duration for a night stop is three or four days. Is that about right? It varies by area. So I would say in somewhere like Hull, where you've got lots of, you know, move on accommodation for young people, there's a number of sort of specialist young person hostel services and things like that in the city that, yes, stays do tend to be shorter. If we're looking at the East Riding, Bridlington, Beverly, our you know young people do tend to stay for much longer because we haven't got the access to the uh, service provision that there is in the city, and you know we might be looking for private accommodation, shared housing, things like that. 
So you're in a position at the moment where are you having to turn young people away from the city of Hull and put them in a taxi or get them transport into to the East Riding or even further afield? Is that the case? Yeah, it is. And some young people are reluctant to leave Hull. So if they find out, say, they can't stay in Hull and they'd have to leave for them, then they won't access Night Stop at all. Um, so it can be a bit of a barrier for the young people accessing our services. Jesse, is there any material or financial support available to hosts too? Night Stop Hearst gets paid um, a nightly rate of £18.50 per night that the young person stays. So that covers any uh, costs for food, uh, yeah. for cleaning, that sort of thing? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Jesse, people enjoy volunteering within the voluntary sector for a whole load of different reasons. Um, so what, what skills are hosts learning that they may be able to put down on a CV and what sort of further training, any certificates and things might be available to them because they are offering support with SASH? Um, I think our hosts are really lucky to be able to access lots of training um, so they could access substance misuse training, mental health training, level three training, working with young people and these are all skills that when they finish working with SASH they can add to CVs. So what are you doing um, in the short term over the next few months to really try and increase the number of hosts available in, in this city? So lots of host recruitment is planned. Um, I plan to visit the churches, do lots of poster put-ups, leaflet drops, social media and just get the word out there. Always happy to meet with people and explain um, what Sash does and you know if they want to volunteer, give them more information. So Kirsty, give me some of the contact details. If anyone's listening in, um, in the city of Hull or close to this region and they want to get, get involved, um, how do they get in touch with you? So there's lots of information on our website, which is www.sash-uk.org.uk. Or if you're big on social media, so I'm on Facebook and Twitter, just search Kirsty Clark and you'll see I've got a picture of the Sash um, logo is a little greenhouse is my profile picture so I'm quite easy to spot find me on there drop me a message and Jesse or I will get in touch about you know sending more information out and coming to meet you have a chat you know do whatever we need to take things forward if this is something that people are interested in. Kirsty, Jesse, thanks for your time this morning I really do hope that people listening in understand a whole lot more now about Night Stop and the service that SASH provides. And let's really hope that people respond positively here in the city of Hull um, and you get you know, more than those two hosts you have at the moment. Uh, thanks for your time. Really good to chat with you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Thank you. very much.